Welcome back to another great episode of Secure Now Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Denny Caballero. And today, I have the pleasure of having a longtime friend uh, in the studio with me. We actually, we got our Start SF together way back in like what feels like the 1980s now, but it was like 2012. A decade. <laughs> yeah, it's been a decade already. It, Kirby Calhoun, uh, author, father, husband, uh, world traveler now. Um, you're, you're, you're doing big things, man. Like <laughs> I'm trying to be faithful in the small things too. That's, that's always been the hardest part, but I'm, uh, yeah. I'm enjoying life post military. Although I do miss, uh, I miss a lot of it. There's a lot of the aspects that I miss, um, but the civilian world is so big. There's room for us all out there and society needs people like our regiment has when they leave. There's so much for them to get involved in and to yeah. fix and to do so. But we never saw that we started out. At least I know for a fact I didn't, um, which brings us to today's topic. Um, when we first enlist into special operations, it's, it's not just like, wow, we made it. It's, it's the culmination of like two, three years for some people, um, an entire active duty career for a lot of folks, you finally make it and you've been chasing this dragon forever. And yeah. then, I know for us, it didn't start off like we would have hoped. You know, we came in and we, I know we both wanted to go on that, that first deployment right off the bat with ACO. And I got there at the very end when every, all the teams were filled up. There was nobody, uh, there was nowhere to go except for an empty room, which was the B team. And it was immediately like, the wind had been taken out of my sails. I remember just feeling so defeated. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of individuals and the other teams didn't make it easier because everybody's like, oh, enjoy your, your, you know, you're fucked. Your life's over. Yeah. Like this is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. In fact, you should go home right now and kill yourself. And it's like, and that's no, that's like some shit the friends said, like as he took over the last 18 Bravo spot, like, yeah, (laughs) shout out to you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the and like and it's it's funny how life proves to you that like okay things can always get worse like oh yeah and they did absolutely <laughs> oh yeah yeah the the beginning was rough um yeah. you know and what started off rough for me was um I, when i when i moved here from bragg i got stuck after the q corps doing language nine months of posh yeah and so then i got here so i'm like you know i'm ready to go to afghanistan and then to get here and like, yeah, you're not deploying. But here's the kicker. So my name, I was supposed to go to one six with, yeah. with McKenna. Same here. I, I was on the, I mean, I was on the <laughs> roster and I, you know, and I remember, um, a couple of buddies in the course had stayed with us at our house that we just built, you know, while we were all in processing and all that. And, uh, one of the guys staying with us, he, he didn't have a family. He wasn't married, no kids. So he, nope. he reported in early, the same company nope. just happened to be an echo. And he showed up early and they're like, Hey, well, we'll take you. Yeah. And I get there like three days later and Drew walks in and he's like, Calhoun, you're supposed to be my echo. And I was like, oh, it was the worst feeling ever. Yeah. I'm like, I can't. And I'm on the B team, um, which, you know, was hard. It was a hard pill to swallow. And the biggest thing was just not being able to go to Afghanistan. Because for me, I just wasted nine months of my life to go to Honduras yeah. to learn a new language. We didn't even know we were going to Honduras at that point, too. It's like, true. It's true. Um but, you know, I wasn't going to Afghanistan. We knew we were going to JRTC. We knew, you know, we did know some things. Yeah. And none of those things were things that I wanted. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it was a rocky start. It was a real rough start. Yeah, it was. And there's some other individuals, and and that's why I think oftentimes I look back in the movie Platoon, and I'm like, wow, it really is. Like, you can have Barnes, and you can have Linus. Like, there really is those leaders where, you know, you can have a fantastic company commander. That's like, to this day, I, I still regard that guy with just so much respect, high honor. Yeah. Uh, to Kevin, he's just a great leader, yeah, great person. Yeah. And uh, then there's there's always the Barnes. There's a, <laughs> yep. But yep. even now that I'm looking back, because uh, I know the individual that I'm referencing in his heart and and truly within him is a good person. Yes. And I realized this. Not everybody's completely. Gone. Not not everybody is completely bad. They've all been through the same machine. But I didn't know that. I just saw a person that came in, kicked in the door, and fucking rocked us. It was rough, man. <laughs> I mean, that was. I would I would go to Sears School three or four times before yeah. I would do that stint of life again. Yeah, uh, easily. Hundred percent. Uh, it was yeah. just that's that's the way he was taught. I want to imagine that's the way he was developed, and because he did succeed. I mean, the man shot through rank like nobody else yeah, he did my man you put him say what you want say what you will this individual went through everything got every shirt got every pen did everything and his idea of how to get us to succeed was just to throw us into the fire and i just remember just like the q course does not prepare you <laughs> for 90 percent of the things that no. you will go through and and it's like, hey, um, you got to do company inventory. You got to do all these shortage annexes. <laughs> Dog, what the fuck is an annex? Uh, yeah, exactly. What's what's a shortage annex? And he's like, well, check it out. <laughs> You're not going home. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Until you figure this out. Yeah. No guidance. No, like, hey, here's how you do it. It's like it's sink or swim. You're not going home. Yeah. Don't <laughs> call your wife. Tell her you won't yeah. be there. Okay. But even even then. Even though, like, for me, it was an incredibly, incredibly tough time with trying to keep the hope alive that this could still be a good career and not wanting to give up on it, not wanting to be like, no, fuck this. Like, I'm going to do my minimum time and get the fuck out of here. No, it was still very, like, fuck, I just got to push through. I just have to pay my dues. And I think for maybe a split second, I viewed my life and my family as a priority for a brief second. And that's what I think is a defining factor for success. Because if you place the institution, if you place soft, uh, the beret, the long tab as the pinnacle of your life, the single most important thing you've, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, uh, it is not something that is going to ever hold you in that same high regard. Like all the guys that we saw as being like those hard charging individuals to people that just everybody loved all the accolades, where are they now? They're gone. And within a life cycle of a team, they're already forgotten. Yep. You're not part of the mechanism. Like you're not part. The only time you stay is unfortunately <laughs> when you give everything and then you were up on that wall. That's like, fuck. 
I look back at all the times where I like prioritized and didn't view myself as living, like actually living. I just saw myself as like doing everything I could to like be the better version of my work self. Right. Not like, and that's where we have like, you have two individuals, you have Kirby and you have Denny and you always saw the pull. You always saw that. Okay. If I'm giving too much of this, I'm not able to give to my wife. I'm not even able to give to my daughter. Like, how is this going to be a benefit to me? Like that's and those individuals like yourself, that's, that's what we need. We need guys who are able to see objectively and understand that like, yeah, this is a great job. It's a great mission, but my number one mission is home. And like, for a lot of us, we didn't see that till the very end, man. Like, I have to give you so much credit and celebrate you for being able to see that as like, no, this is this is my forever. Yeah. Like, this is what is going to be there to re-energize me, to bring me back up, to support me. Like, not this organization. And I know ultimately, when you decided to walk away. It wasn't like, oh man, I can't survive. It's like, fuck, dude, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to fucking survive. I'm going to, I'm going to achieve greatness because I'm not alone. I got another fucking human being in that house. It's also going to have my back. And that's my wife. Like, this is a team. That's my ODA. Like a lot of guys, including myself, we didn't see that. It was like, you're here as part of my adventure. Like, I remember you were talking about your wife and the fact that she did have goals, she did have dreams, she did have ambition of things that she wanted to do. And you were trying to calculate how you could do that for both of you. Like ultimately that's something that is very rare in this life. Like I try to tell guys like, dude, you can't drag somebody on this adventure that hasn't that go getter attitude. Yeah. You're locking somebody down. That's gonna eventually build resentment. And want to leave like I and be justified yeah. having some of those feelings. Exactly. Exactly. That's man. the hardest part. I think for, for some of us to swallow and I, and I appreciate your, you know, applause or whatever. Uh, I did not feel that way when I left, you know, <laughs> I felt like I was, uh, in many ways, I felt like I was giving up an identity, you know, yeah. cause for me, the army was the first thing for me that ever cared enough about me to invest and pour into me, yeah. you know? So I mean, just, and, and and I love my parents, but we, you know, I didn't have the best upbringing, a lot of adversity. And I think a lot of my family views stem from what I witnessed as a child, the divorce that my parents went through, the trauma associated with that, you know, because I remember, I mean, in Columbia, 2000, and when did I get out? 2015. So I think 2013, 2014, I've been sitting in Columbia. I mean, the first week of that deployment, I was planning out the next decade of my career. Yeah. Um, we sat down, we had the whole talk. I knew where I was going and, you know, and the guy we were talking about earlier, I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy that could get you to the schools that you wanted. He was hundred percent, you know? So on one hand, you hated hearing his voice because you knew that it was going to hurt you in some way. Yeah. But on the other side, he was, he was making that blade sharper all the time, whether he wanted to or not, he was grinding that blade. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, the army is the first thing that poured into me. You know, I, I was able to leave family and I left and I gambled everything. It was, I needed to join the army and, and I found family and the people serving next yep. to you. You know, you go to Iraq and it's like, this is, this is what it's all about. And, and even in Iraq, I mean, and there's different variations of it too, but you know, going to Iraq, I was an Intel guy. I was a human intelligence collector. I was not 
I was not a go getting shoot him in the face dude at all. But I get to Iraq and I, you know, and I see and God bless my leadership. I understand I was a hard headed dude with a lot of attitude back then. So I was a buck the system kind of guy. Um, but I saw people wanting to put leashes on and like, hey, we're going to control the tempo here. Like, no, like, I don't think you understand my you've put me in this team to deal in this area of operation. My job is to find out who's planting bombs, where the bombs are. How do we find out where they live? Those kind of things. Like, and every time I fail, it's one of the infantrymen that I don't need to know. One of the EOD guys that I don't need to know. The SF guy, all of these guys, they're driving on these roads. And if there's nobody pressing, you know, so for me, special forces was a culmination of just everything that I saw in Iraq. I wanted to be around people that wanted to give a hundred percent. And that's the thing that draws. I mean, that's what the Q course is. The Q course is that place. I mean, you know, it. it's, I've met the worst people. And the best people that our country has to offer in the same 20 foot square space. Dude. And it's, I'm in the process of this project that I've been doing and it, a, I got to tell you, your book gave me such insight because as men, we don't talk about our trauma. We, when we first met, we don't say, Hey, this is what happened to me as a kid. But (laughs) I have such a, ridiculous similar story to you when in regards to trauma at the hands of the the people that you know should be there to protect you right and that's something that i've seen like we want to paint our demographic of guys as these john way boy scouts but we are not like like the the type of person that wants to do this job nowadays it's somebody that's been through so much and then you're like you know what I got to protect. I got to be able to be a protector, somebody that can help others. Like, yeah. and this is, this is how I'm going to do it. And I reading your book and understanding why we thought alike, why we got along. So I was like, Holy shit. Like a lot of us have that same, uh, the stories are just interchangeable. Everybody that I've talked to that has had to like face their demons, find their faith, find their, modalities of going through and getting better it's always that reflection of going back through that childhood everything and i'm like holy shit like green Berets is a good movie and barry sandler is a great he <laughs> makes a great song but it's our generation of guys like we're we're a different breed exactly broken folks yeah um, and, and this is but see to me that's where the beauty in in the special forces program is and and I didn't really realize it till I got out and afterwards where I did a lot of you know just self reflection and and thinking back but the beauty of taking brokenness you know and, and the Bible says that God will take all things that bad and He can turn them around for your good and for His glory you know and it's one of those things like what what happens uh, when you go through childhood trauma you you love your kids harder. And you, you watch them more than maybe I would have, if that had not happened, um, you know, you have to learn how to navigate some of those emotions. And, you know, there's a lot of things, um, you know, and, and for this particular individual, you know, like you said, you have to face the demons. So when I got out, I realized that there was a lot of things that I had never gone back and looked at. Yeah. Like I joined the army and it was like, it gave me something to pour myself into. And for any moment that there was a, hey, I have time to sit down and think about myself. I was drinking. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was hammered. I mean, I don't, I, I do yeah. not remember a single day that I went without drinking after Iraq. I mean, it's, it's, there's so few and yeah. far between. Um, I mean, maybe in some schools, but other than that, it's, 
the only thing that's offered to us as a way of uh, dealing and escaping. If they don't, nobody comes up to us. It's like, Hey, I want to teach you about the power of just breathing and meditating or, Hey, let's your thought about what your faith is, what your religion is. Let's, let's talk about faith intervention. Let's talk about just the power of prayer. Such a touchy subject, but yet at the end of a hard day, what is always handy? Hey, bring it in. Let's drink. It's yeah. like, or, or, or bring it in. All of us sit down in the same space and let's all meditate for 15 minutes. Let's all just thank each other for the hard work we give to each other like and drink a liquid death. Yeah. Right? <laughs> or some white tea. But it, it truly is the only mechanism of coping and dealing with everything that we've ever had. Yeah. Like, I know. That was for me, that was the easiest thing to go to for pain. Yeah. Oh, I just, just need to drink. It'll go away when I drink. It's not how it works. <laughs> well, we tell ourselves it is. <laughs> well, you know, and one of the things that I noticed um with, with folks in our that are like us is they're they're constantly driven towards something, you know. So this job offers an it offers a person an ability to literally pour yourself into something with other people that have already proven that they are. I want to say better than others, but they've proven that they can do things that others were not willing to or able to do. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a really powerful thing to be surrounded by people like that. However, uh, you know, there was not a lot of talk about faith. And I think, you know, if we meditated instead of drank, uh, things would be a lot different, but it's also part of what you expect. Um, how do you, how do you send operators? How do you send the same guy in five years to, to four or five places? You know, like, it's hard. It's hard for people to understand, you know, and yeah. I'm not an advocate for, for veterans being able to get off with drinking and driving, you know, I'm not, and I'm not an advocate for that. But one of the conversations that I've had with many people is around alcohol is it's a symptom, yeah. you know, and you have this guy. So it's very easy for somebody who doesn't understand combat to see some guy. He's got 20 years in the military, 18, he's about to retire. He's got 13 combat rotations. Uncle Sam has sent this dude in double digits yeah. to go kill people. And then we expect him to come home and go to his kid's recital at his school, follow the traffic laws when somebody's flipping him off. And you have, you know, and it's like, this person has no idea what, what this other individual is capable of, but you're flipping me off in traffic. And like, you have no idea what I have in my car. And, but you have to have control because you're, you know, you're held to this higher standard. And that's the beauty of, of the men that we work with. And, you know, it breaks my heart that people, have to drink and but i understand it and i don't demonize them for it it doesn't make them less than no people need to recognize that it's a symptom no you know and it's like what you're saying there's that you know there's there's a well, my pastor said what there's a there's a god-sized hole in everybody you know and that's striving you're always striving for things and uh there's a lot of people that we served with that i don't think would say that they were christians yeah. and yet despite many of their activities many of the things that uh that we're not Christian like, you know, um, whether it was chasing women, booze, drugs, whatever it may be, violence. Um, you know, there's hope for everyone. And when you recognize that those are just symptoms and you start looking at people, like, hey, this guy is hurting. Like he's drinking because he's hurting. Um, I see people different. And SF helped me see that because I saw friends. And, you know, if I said their names, you would yeah. know that. I mean, they were so just like what I said, 13 rotations in, in 16 years. I mean, and, and you know, he was doing drugs 
to cope. I mean, literally at work. Yeah. Um, because he couldn't function. And and I didn't see, you know, and I saw a broken person. And then I saw like this is this is what this lifestyle will do to you if you don't have a firm root to nourish you. Yeah. You know, you're constantly pouring out for for others. You're always doing things. And, and and it goes back to what I was just saying. I'll finish that thought is you're chasing and you're striving for something. And the men that we served with that that are still in the regiment, they are some of America's best. And when you think about these guys may not say that they're Christian, they may not believe in Jesus or God or any of these things. And yet I could argue even in their, you know, I'll say sinful nature, they're drinking, whatever their addictions, they are still willing to die yeah. for their teammate. And the Bible says that there's no greater love than someone who has, who lays down their life for a friend. And, and it also says that love covers a multitude of sins, you know? So We've seen and worked with people that at the time I thought, you know, was basically, uh, I mean, just one of the worst military leaders I yeah. ever could have possibly found myself in front of. I'm like, yeah. I cannot believe all that I went through to get here. And this is where I'm at. You're I'm the devil at, incarnate. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm like, I just don't understand. You know, I, I didn't understand it. But, you know, I also, because I was naive, I was still young. I thought that I knew how to be an operator. What he saw in me was that I was not there yet and I needed a lot of work, yeah. you know, and his way of making me mission ready to come back home looked different than it would have if I was in his shoes. Yeah. You know, so it goes back to what you said it, on the surface. And I hated him. I mean, I hated him for a very long time, yeah. but I cannot deny that his intent was always to bring us all home. Yeah. You know, he always, he pushed us because he wanted us, he wanted to be able to be the best and to have his name on, we got that mission done, but he also wanted to have us come home. Yeah. He wanted us to go see our families and, you know, so it was that struggle. Um, but the childhood, you know, you know, going, being in Columbia, waking up or that first week and planning my career. I mean, I woke up one day, uh, my wife called, you know, we had been separated several times at this point. Um, I've, I've asked my wife and daughter to move out, I think twice. I mean, I, I, not not a good not a good husband father figure for the first decade of our marriage um you know but what happened as a kid growing up and seeing like this is what happened my dad chose work yeah. and my dad chose a woman who had the same clearance who worked in the same office as he did because the nature of his job he was not able to come home and discuss anything and you know and that's another thing that uh, a lot of people don't get there's yeah. When you work in a job where secrecy is an, is not only necessary but required for national security, that's a lot of weight. Yeah. That's a lot of weight to be able because you cannot disclose those things. Um, and you know, and you have to trust your spouse. And if your partner, like you said, if your partner's not totally on board, if they are not willing to sacrifice for this with you, then it's going to fail. Yeah. Uh, you know. So I woke up in Columbia one day. And she, you know, we are on the phone and she's like, I just don't think I can do it anymore. And I was, it just, you know, we've had the same talk numerous times, but this one, it was different. It was different, you know, and I, and I thought about it. I thought about it long and hard for a couple of days. And I, you know, I just, I woke up one day then and I was like, this is another man's going to raise my daughter. I mean, I, it's yeah. at the end of the day, like, it's going to happen. My wife's a good woman. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's going to find somebody much better than me. <laughs> that's going to raise my kid. And, you know, and I thought about that and I thought about, you know, my dad left 
you know, and he didn't do everything the right way. And we've long since been friends and, and forgiven and things are good now with him. But um, his actions, the way that he treated us when I was a kid, impacted my decision making process as an adult. Um, if not for those hard decisions as a, as a kid, one, I don't think I ever would have had the test, you know, the, the fortitude to make yeah. it to the course. But not only that, I, I definitely would have chosen work over family. Yeah. But I woke up and, you know, and now I know it's a God thing. You know, I, I was a believer while I was in the military, but I was not an active believer. You know, if you asked me, I believed in God. I'd have said yes while I was drinking a beer and, you know, <laughs> yeah. talking to people I should yeah. have been talking to. Um, and I think there's a lot of guys like that, but it's, it's a coping mechanism. There's this country asks these guys to do things that are not normal. It's not, it's not a normal thing for a human being to take another life. You know, but the, and, and the way they do it with without a backside support, as I'd like to call it, because there's nothing there. I thought at my worst, someone's going to ring the bell for me. Some there's a mechanism in place to put me. No, there's not. And there's it takes a lot of courage and guts to raise your hand and say, I need to go to a mental institution. I need to go to the, a mental institution and I need help. You guys don't want to do that. You're telling me that they're going to take away my shoelaces and my belt and put me in, in a place where I have to be around doctors and watch and I can't close my door. Hell no. I'm going to continue drinking and coping with drugs before I ever do that shit. Yeah. But they never say like, hey, look, there's, they like to say like, hey, we have a dwell time. Fuck that dwell time. There's no reason why. There's no reason why a guy should be exposed over and over and over again to the same trauma without a mandatory protocol for going through processing and saying, Hey, you know what? With a, a, a 10 person friggin' court ruling of like, Hey, this guy's an honorable service member. He's better utilized to teach, train a mentor next, next generation. We are no longer going to subject a certain individual to the trauma of war. No, fuck no. Cause they gotta, they gotta keep pushing you out there. They gotta yeah. keep sending you. It's like, dude, no, there's better ways to do it. Um, it it's just the need. And I, and then I would say a lot of, a lot of fucked up priorities. Yeah. A lot of fucked up priorities, put a lot of guys in that, like, Hey man, do you want to go on one more? Like, no, don't give that man that option. <laughs> don't give him that option. Yeah. Like tell him straight up. Like, Hey, you're now part of uh training regiment here at seventh group stability, re- like training, pr- whatever you want to do. Well, it's because we've been programmed to think that to turn an assignment down, to turn down yeah. something that is online with the mission is like quitting. Yeah. It, you know, you're weak. You're not willing to do this. It's like, no, it's how dare you? It's not that I'm weak. It's, you know, I, you know, and for me, I, it, I, I felt that I was being very strong, actually, because I was fighting personal desire to want to stay in, knowing that I was having to sacrifice for something that was not guaranteed. Um, you know, she was already a foot out the door and that's after a decade of me walking out on her several times. Uh, so there's, she was justified, but I was like, you know, this is it. Like it's, it's time. And my vision corrected a little bit. And, uh, you know, I never got short timer syndrome, uh, until I got, you know, like that last year, then you're like, yeah, "Yeah, it's time to go. Um, (laughs) but you know, like during deployment, it, it just, it, my, my, my heart for America, for, for the guys on the team, like that never yeah you know and even now those guys i mean i would 
if any of them called me, I was like, you might not go home after this. So just, okay, I'm on the way. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just, so I have so much respect for them. Um, especially for the guys that endured and carried on. Uh, but, you know, I've had this conversation with a number of people, you know, uh, several people where at the time I felt one, not only was I being weak and quitting, because that is, that's the mentality that I but had. But I gotta tell you, it's not, it's not like, right. It's when, when on the other side, looking at you, when you made your choice and you left, there's two powerful emotions I felt. Fuck you, Kirby. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? Like, we came into this thing together. You're fucking, you got your schools, you got your training, now you're fucking gone. Cool, man. Yeah, that's real cool. That was bitter. I know I was bitter with a lot of guys that fucking left and chose a different career set, different family. And I'm like, fucking look at these dudes quitters then you get to the point where you're like i don't have a family i don't have anyone this team doesn't give two shits about me the moment that everybody goes through the life cycle these dudes aren't gonna be here for me when i can't fucking walk these dudes are gonna come to my door and be like hey man we're here take you to hospital appointments fuck no and i gave everything it's like fuck dude no, they did the right thing. They did the right thing for themselves. They figured out what was important. What was fuck. At some point, I got to start giving a hundred percent more at home. Like, yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice this. That's what takes the most courage. And I say it all the fucking time because this world, the soft world, yeah, it's a hard fucking thing to be a part of, but that's a known fucking, that's a constant. Yeah. That's a fucking constant. Jay said, Fucking rotations down south, getting ready for the next big mish. Keep going on your fucking pre or your ex evals. Everything is a constant. You know what's going to happen because the same fucking asshole that was your old battalion commander is going to come back and he's going to be a shitty group commander, except for some. But it's the same leaders that do the same stupid shit will continue to get promoted and continue to be in place. You'll get some good ones and it's a wave. It's fucking awesome when you're high, but when it crashes, it sucks. And you're going to have that for your entire 20, 30 years. It's a known thing by PCS, but guess what? It's the same shit. Or you put yourself first. You realize that it's okay if you can't do this job anymore. Cause there's, there's individuals that were holding their bodies together with pain medication duct tape and, ibuprofen, and they're like yeah. nope i gotta make it to my team's hard time and then the moment they're done they're like did it 20 years dog you're in a wheelchair yeah. you just had four fucking surgeries it's not worth it and you're just now realizing shit i gave up the ability to walk i gave up the ability to carry my kid i gave up the ability to be able to have that adventure for another Jason, another down south trip, a fleeting moment of like, yeah, I'm in the gang. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's not. Like when you can and and, and have the capacity to continue serving and you have your family put together, everything's right, everything's balanced, keep going. Yeah. But if it's not, if it's not, reassess your shit. Because that family 
that's what's going to fucking be there. Yeah. Yeah. And when we hear our wives, significant others, like they give you the hints. They show you like, Hey, I want to go get my master's. That's what I was doing before you, you know, went to Q course and you always, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to it later. Oh dog. Prioritize that shit. That's right. That's <laughs> right. We did, you know, towards the end when I got out, that's what we did. My wife yep. was getting, knocking out her degree and, uh, you know, I started my associates before I got out, but you know, I was, I went to college, got my degree, but it wasn't in anything important. I, was, <laughs> I just wanted a degree. I never thought I was going to see 30, let alone graduate anything. Like, you know, this is all just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, this is amazing. Uh, what do you mean I graduated college? But, you know, she ended up being the supporter for us for a while. Yeah. Uh, which was really challenging, you know? So for me, uh, it, it's easy to look back and say it was a leap of faith. I mean, it was a leap of faith because I didn't have a career, uh, lined up. I was planning it. And at some point, um, fish and wildlife. I was like, you know, I love that. I yeah. do that. I went through their, I went through their hiring process. I, I mean, everything up until the point of they were going to issue out which County you'd be working in. And then you would go assigned no and way. you would start. And I was like, I'm not moving. So you either give me Okaloosa or Scambia or I'm not coming. They're like the chant, those are like, everybody wants those yeah. apparently. So they're like, it's not going to happen. And I got Calhoun County, which was like the next County over. So it's super close. But I'm still like, I'm not living in a trailer and I'm not commuting two hours. If I was, I would have stayed where I was at. Yeah. Like the whole point of me doing this was I had to try to invest in the family. Yep. And it was really hard to do. Um, you know, and and again, you know, call it a, a God's favor, if you will, but my back started hurting almost almost immediately after I got out. But my lower back really, by the time I was in this hiring process, I was like, God, I could feel it. Those, those, those three lower discs and I could feel it. And I was like, gosh, this is, I don't know that I want to do 20 years wearing a plate every day, driving around the woods of Florida, chasing drug dealers and all that. Like, it's just, you know, I could have respect for the folks that do it, but is this what I really want to do? And this is going to take more time away from me than my army time would have. Like, so I would have been better off just staying where I was at. Um, so I didn't, uh, I'm still going to school uh, at UWF and I ended up getting a job at Verizon for a little while that lasted like six or seven months. I mean, just you'd have somebody come in and just cuss you out because they, they couldn't log into Facebook on their phone and it's trying to get, you know, like they didn't understand like Facebook and Verizon have nothing to do with one another, <laughs> but, you know, and you miss a sale, Yeah, you know? So if there's 10 people in line and three or four of them are there because they have troubleshooting questions, you want the other six, if you're trying to make money, yeah. but I'm like, I can't, I, and I can't sell an 80 year old lady something she doesn't need. My conscience will not allow this. Yeah. If I found out somebody did this to my grandma, it would make me want to fly up to Wisconsin and have words with the guy. <laughs> you know, like I can't do it. You I need the latest iPhone, man. <laughs> I'd wait out, mate. <laughs> Don't worry. It's super easy. <laughs> you know, and, you know, but the, it was just the temperament. I realized that that's where I realized that I was different. You know, uh, the military was, was a good place to suppress the things about me that normal society frowns upon, you know, and, and it goes back to, you know, the anger and the alcohol, like, I mean, at any given time, I wanted somebody to piss me off. You know, it's walk. I remember walking around just, I was okay with it. Like at any time you guys want to fight, let's do it. You know? And, and just, I was always pissed. And then you, I realized, especially when I got out, and I was like, I'm upset that my kid wants to spend time with me. I'm upset that 
my 45 minutes to an hour of quiet time in the morning where I'm watching one show and just zoning out and pretending that I'm enjoying life is interrupted by my kid who wants to play video games or something. And it's instead of me saying that feeling an emotion of positivity, I feel like you're not allowing me to be distant. You know, I'm trying to be alone and you're not allowing that. Um, And this goes down to why the family is for me so important, you know, because even with a wife um, that has gone through hell and back for me and, and forgiven me for a lot of things. And, you know, she, she's a really good woman. Uh, you know, at, she would be justified at any moment. I mean, even now having it, she called like, I just can't, I cannot handle knowing who yeah. you used to be, you know, and that would be so justified. And that to me was one of those things that really broke me um, afterwards. Cause I'm like, I got out for my wife and yet everything about my impulses and my flesh aren't even leading me to want to stay at home and be a part of my family unit. Uh, you know, so this, and this is where the, you know, the, the, the suicidal thoughts really, you know, took root. And, you know, I have I mean, depressions in my family, you know, so, you know, there's my mom has depression, you know, so there, it's possible there's some chemical stuff, but I think that this anger, the depression, like they are, again, they're symptoms of who I really was when I didn't have the mask of my uniform. Yeah. You know, it's, because when you're home, that's who you really are. When you're at work, you're a soldier. Like you said, it's an institution. Yeah. At the end of the day, you you love everybody on your left and right. And, you know, but at the end of the day, that, that unit, you will phase out. And new dudes are going to come in. And the new yeah. dudes are going to come in are going to be better than you were. Faster, stronger. And there's no, you know, and that's just how things work. And uh that's hard for a lot of guys to accept, to, to be swimming in that fast lane, to be an alpha male, to be a green beret that, that does things that other people play on video games. Yeah. And to go home after that and, and to re- whether it's retiring medically, whether it's retiring, I mean, when it becomes your identity and it's over, you really are left having to look at what is left, the foundation that is, that is remaining. You know, and so for me, there was that foundation of my family, but that was even rocky. Um, But I think that it's just this loss of hope. You know, I never thought I was going to find anything that would feed my desire to want to work more and to do more things with my life. I just like I'm not a soldier anymore. That's the only thing in my life when I got out in 2015 that I had ever been proud of was my soldiering. I was a bad husband, bad soldier or a bad bad father. Uh, I mean, I was a bad son. I was a bad friend, uh, you know, but I was, I was a damn good soldier. It's the only thing you got on that, on that shiny board of like, Hey, this is what I've been able to get recognition for. Like fuck the dad of the year award. Look at me. Look at, right. look at all the things I've done. Like right. it's so easy for us to look at that. Like 18 echo board of excellence. Be like, ah, fuck yeah. Look what I did. Look what I, I was never on the 18 echo board of excellence. <laughs> I, I, I was, uh, you know, that was the single only course I ever got a pink slip. And I still don't know who gave it to me, but I probably heard. Well, in, in, in functional 18 echo, I think nobody worked harder. It's a hard job. Nobody worked harder. Hard and job. it, it's rewarding when you finally troubleshoot something or you, you get it done. You do the fucking SDN, right? Everything's working right. I can, you know, I can imagine seeing you 
I remember seeing it on your on your face, like, fuck yeah. Oh, we did it. We did that. Yeah. Yeah. I I felt the same way. I felt the same fucking way because you work your entire life to do something that people say you can't do. And then you get there and you still have people saying that you can't even fucking do that. You still have people that say like, oh, you, fuck, who the fuck is that guy? It's like, fuck, okay, now I've got to keep going. i got to keep proving to somebody else. Yes. Some yeah. other insecure boy that just maybe doesn't like you. Maybe just has a really shitty life and he's taking it out on you. Yeah. You just continue pushing and pushing and pushing. And that's all I saw. I just saw everything, all those little award pictures of me. Look what I achieved. You said I couldn't do this, so I did it. And you over there didn't like it, so I did it. And it's like, at the end of the day, Who's laughing? I'm 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 trying to get all these accolades and become this fucking awesome person because I think that's what really matters. In reality, that dude doesn't mean shit. He's not thinking about me. He's not thinking about the accomplishments and saying, like, oh fuck, he did it. No. Like, right. no. And then I'm sitting here realizing that, okay, yeah, this is kind of cool, but. Who the fuck am I? Yeah. Who, what, who, who the fuck am I? That was the first thing I realized. I didn't know who the fuck I was outside of this and outside of the fucking uniform. I I didn't have any fucking hobbies. I I collected guns. Yeah. (laughs) Collected guns. I, I escaped through video games. I, I rode a motorcycle, but yet, and never gave me like a true sense of like happiness. Nothing gave me a true sense of fucking happiness. What the fuck? Except cooking. Yeah. Yeah. I've just found a love for cooking. recently. (laughs) But that's not a cool thing you talk about in the team room. Yeah. So I always knew that I had just, Oh wow. I, I like this thing, but everything else was trying to figure out something else that was looking that looked great to other people. I still have a passion for shooting. I still love rifles and love pistols, but not in the same way that I love fucking writing, telling a story, doing this, like a human connection. I have, I get more from talking or helping others than I do from fucking just going to a range and shooting all fucking day. That's not what I told myself and developed this idea that this is who I am. This is what I have to do to be like this, to, so we all do. And to an extent you do have to. I mean, there's that's the thing is it's a balance and, and I didn't stand long enough to know if it's possible to balance it. You know, I I know that I've seen successful officers, I've seen successful non-commissioned, I've seen it happen, but it's not the norm in this in in this community. And for all we know, those perfect relationships, those marriages, you know, they may they may not have been as good as we we thought they were. Um what I've seen as the defining one one of the things that really stuck out to me was faith. Like the guys that really had it all that didn't that they didn't talk. Their actions spoke louder. Like, I don't give a shit that you're gonna make fun of me because I'm not sticking around for a beer. I'm gonna be my wife. But the next school that comes up, I know I'm gonna get it. And they do. Every single fucking time they do. And they crush it. They get honor guy. They come back and they're like, hey, what are we doing for the next X amount of days? They're not afraid to ask for leave. When they say that, hey, you got you 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 can't go to something else, you need X amount of dwell time. They don't cry and bicker about it, but cool, awesome. Sweet. Mm-hmm. 
just we're done. I'm going home. Going to be with my family. I go to church. There's another individual. I was going to reach out to him and see if I could mention his name, but I don't want to. That is approval, but never saw that dude angry. I saw him go through arguably the most painful, horrible thing that could happen to any Green Beret on a team. My man just laughed it off, smiled, said, okay, I can't control Mm it. Got to make the best of what I got. And come to find out another man of faith, another man that comes from a really big family, takes care of his community and sees his happiness being at home, not in the office. Like his team thrived with him in charge. Like dude, legit always had a fucking smile on his face. I didn't realize it. And I, they kind of just like at first you're like, what the fuck's wrong with this dude? But then you realize that. (laughs) When you see his interactions, when you see him, dude, he'll give you the shirt off his back, talk to you, engage with you. And like, and if you are vulnerable enough to talk about faith or religion, mm-hmm. that man, phew, dude, he'll never, he's not somebody who's going to go up to you and speak really about it. But I've seen him have conversations in the hallway with dudes that have the same strength. And it's like, and that's, that's something earmark that that's different. Like that's different. I'm not saying that it's for everybody, but I'm saying it is a big defining factor. And when I read your book and saw that, I'm like, that's another, there's another connection point. Like, how can you tear somebody down when they don't, when it doesn't mean anything to them? Like you can't, it's, that's the glory. That's the, the glorious thing about being Christian though. When you're, you know, when, when your identity is in, you know, God, yeah. It's not in what other people say about you, you know? And so it's, you know, and again, I was, I was not a practicing Christian by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, maybe I had a conscience, (laughs) maybe, you know, uh, I can tell you that it was, it was to the point of, in many ways I, it had been seared to the point where I didn't feel guilt about doing certain things anymore. Um, you know, and those are, those are dangerous places to be in, especially if you're, trying to keep a family. Uh, but you know, God is, everything's about God. You know, it just, the way I look at the world now is totally different than I did when I was 25 and 24 in, the, in special forces and the military. But you know, when he, everything is about God, all the missions that we go on, why is the United States blessed? I would argue that it's God. Why is the U S the one that, that pours into the rest of the world? I would argue that's, you know, faith, you know, I could argue yep. faith-based reasons for all of these things. And, you know, for me, it, it goes back to kind of what I was saying at the very beginning. Even though we see these people with symptoms, we see these people that that sacrifice so much, and sometimes they don't even see that having a family is important. You know, and they may not notice that for twenty years, but there is going to come a point in their time in their life where I'm alone. Yeah, and and I think that that to me is indicative that that God sized hole in our hearts has not been filled yet. And it took me a while, and you know. When I got out, I, you know, I was not looking for God. In fact, I joined the National Guard when I left active duty. Um, That's right. And I yep. had, I mean, I didn't want to leave the army all the way, but my my love had always been in intel. Yeah. Um, but I had a sour taste in my mouth with special forces, and I was like, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want to be around someone that had the ability to literally take my sleep time from me. Yep. That that I didn't feel respected me. Um. And the, the flip side of that is I also had amazing leaders. You know, I could name so many of them that are just, you know, but it's, 
that one traumatic experience can soil, you know, one bad apple can ruin the whole pie. And, and that's kind of what I fought. And when I got out, see the, the difference is with you, the way that I view you, like you did your career. Um, I felt like a quitter in a lot of ways when I got out because I got out and I, you know, so I chose family, but in a lot of ways, I just, it was a crisis of character. Who am I? Cause I got out for a family that really doesn't even know who I really am. Yeah. I don't even know who I really am. Like all of these things start coming back. And you know, that, that national guard time was really important for me. Um, being up in Georgia, cause I, I got to deal with a lot of the childhood trauma. I went back and confronted people. Um, but even then, uh, you know, like I, I was a believer and uh, going to confront my uncle for, for what he did to me as a kid. I sat outside the trailer when I got there and then I had, I had my pistol in my hand and I was like, I'm either, I'm either, this is either done yeah. today or it's done. And the other, you know, like I, I'm going to handle this today one way or the other. And I walked in and, and all of the anger that I held my whole life, when I walked in and saw him, all I felt was pity and compassion. And I, you know, that's when I realized that, you know, he, I think also my, you know, my, my family situation was what I know about it was not one that I would ever want to tell people about. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that side of the family has had a lot of really dark, dark stuff. And I was just exposed to it, you know, And, and the good thing is, is like, you know, like I said, it now it helps me how I view my relationships with my kids, who I trust them with, who I don't trust them with. Um, but I, I can forgive, like to really feel hatred come off of you is something that most people don't ever allow to happen. And I think that's why there's such a high, uh, suicide rate in our community. There's such a high, uh, drug and alcohol problem because people are as brave as these men are. It's, it's, it takes more courage to sit down in a chair at home with no TV and radio on and ask yourself those hard questions. Like, who am I? Am I, am I succeeding in what is important or am I not? It takes a lot more courage to do that than it does to walk into a building that, you know, there's an enemy on the other side. And and most folks can't comprehend that. You know, you ask 90% of the people walking around or like, that's, that's not normal, but that yeah. is normal for guys like us, you know, because you've, we are just built different. And I think, um, the green berets are special, you know, the, they are, it is a special kind of person that does this, uh, and they all have unique qualities, but I would say that every single one that I've met is also, like you said, come, whether it's a trauma of some sort or they're, o- they overcame something. Oh yeah. Big time. And not just the Q course, you know, they overcame life in a lot of ways. And that's why the Q course was like this, like this sucks, but I'm still here. And and you just kept going and you watch these guys. I mean, you start the Q and you start it like this guy. I'm never going to be like this guy. Look how fast he is. This guy can bench press a car and he's twice as fast as me. I don't even belong here. They don't, they don't make it. And the dude quits because he didn't get a meal that day. And I'm like, you know, and there's, Green Berets, the guys that are doing that are able to do that, they're strong in ways uh, that our society desperately needs right now. Yes, um, for the community, for the community, um, and it because of the prestige of what the Green Beret is, 
you know, it's one of those things, you know, hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. I think yep. Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that. And, and imagine if we applied that principle, but from a position of elite warriors to have these warriors come back. Like I'm now I'm putting down the sword and I'm going to pick up the pen. I'm going to become a statesman. I'm going to help lead my communities, my families, my church, wherever it may be. I'm going to take who I am, take this identity and, and I'm going to apply it to the world around me. And the folks that are doing that are seeing success. Yeah. And, and because society's craving it. Society now, um, and, and you know, we're not, not talking about the state of America right now, but you know, the state of America, the, the state that we are in, um, it's not going to be legislation or a hard hand that unites us back to, to loving one another and having those short shared core values. Yeah. It's that neighbor. You have to love your neighbor. You don't have to agree with them. They have a right yep. to believe what they want. You don't have to be Christian. I don't have for me to like you. It's for me to want to hang out with you. Like you don't have to be Christian. I I hope that if you're really my friend, and you know, eventually we're going to talk. Like you're, my faith is who I am. It's part of who I am. So it's going to come out. Yeah. And if that bothers you, then maybe, you know, that's something we either talk about or maybe it's not meant to be. Um, but having that faith talk, and and, and this is why I'm so honored uh, that you would even have me on here talking about God. It's not an easy thing to do for people in this community. It's not, it's not, but it's, it's what I've found in my own healing, my own journey is that mind, body, spirit, like that's the only thing that we truly have. You put me in and goes back to seer, put you in the middle of in a prisoner of war camp. And when you go back to that former self, you're like, I got nothing. I'm so cold. No dog, mind, body, spirit. I got I got those. That's, that's in me. You can't right. take that away from me. So right. how do I, when you have nothing, how do you cultivate something with those three? And that's why faith is an important thing to talk about because I don't want you to feel that you have to believe in what I believe. Oh man, dude, do your research. I'm a, I'm a big believer of, I have found my faith in, you know, I was born, raised Catholic, and then I was removed tra- dramatically from my home country brought here and was forced to go to a Methodist church. And I never, never understood that. never understood or felt like that was who I am. And then you go through war, you go through trauma, and then you realize like, I'm not going to go in here in this confessional and tell this dude, who is he? I don't need a middleman to talk to God. That's not my faith. But I still believe myself as being Catholic. I still see that. Yeah. I might not be able to see myself talking to this dude that's never seen or done what I've been through. Like, no nah, dog, I don't need you as a middleman to talk with God. Right. Like, I can do that on my own. And Hey, it's not for everybody, but that's my belief. That's what I deal with. And I think everybody has to figure that out for whatever their, whatever it is you believe in. You have to have a belief in a higher power. Yeah. That's what got us here. That's what saved our ass. That's what gave us that, that gave me that final understanding of like, you are going to kill yourself and you're going to be successful. Don't let your wife leave and don't stay in this house by yourself. Go get checked in the inpatient. Nobody else is telling me that nobody, nobody in the, in the company was checking in on me. Like, Hey man, you've been acting really weird, dude. Like, are you okay? Nobody, but somebody out there, somebody out there, 
was giving me that understanding of like, yep, there's like, I might not feel it, but I'm worth living and I need to go do this. That was all I needed to get myself back and understanding that there's a higher power at play. There's a greater being. There's a God out there that sees my life being in service to others, a benefit to somebody else. I don't have to believe it right now, but I have enough faith that it will lead me to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would submit to you that that's what we're all here for. Yes. We all, you know, there's it, it, you're only done with your mission when you're dead, you know? So until, as long as we have breath, we have something to do on this earth. And, uh, you know, my, my faith experience is, you know, somewhat radical. Um, you know, cause when I joined, when I got into the national guard, I mean, I was, I was going, I think it was February or March. Um, I mean, it was only a couple months. I had only just gone, but, yeah. um, you know, I had, I had a supernatural experience happened to me and, and that really is what launched me really into the faith conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, cause before that, I mean, I was Catholic, I was Christian as far as like, yeah, if I die, yeah. put it on my headstone. <laughs> like, you know, my mom will kill Ordinance. me if I, yeah, my mom will come back and kill me again <laughs> if I'm not Catholic on that paperwork, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I always, you know, and even as a, a Christian uh, during the military, I hated the people that were walking around trying to tell me about God. And would you have you read the Bible? I mean, I remember very distinctly in language school one time. I'll, I mean, I'll never forget his name because. Uh, it's a point of guilt for me. Uh, he invited me to a Bible study. Uh, I, I laughed at him. I was like, bro, you are so off the mark right now. Yeah. Like, this is so far away from who I am and who I want to be. Like, I'm here not because I want, you know, um, and I don't know where he's at now. I never followed up with him, but I remember those conversations. And I'm like, you know, and I remember uh, I remember one of the team, team leaders in Alpha Company while I was there, a Christian man. And I just, I, re, I remember how people talked about him. Yep. And I was like, you know, I never want to be that guy. Like they were horrible and they absolutely, and I know exactly the individual because I was part of that whole, like, right. This guy, but no, that's not what, that's not what we do guy. Like how, how stupid how dumb was that? And just because this man was so strong in faith and he never did a damn thing wrong to anybody. Yeah, he was a nice guy. He really was. <laughs> he was a really he good was a, yeah. He was a nice guy. He knew his faith. He knew what was important to him. And like, if he doesn't suck at his job, and in fact, he excels at it, and he is strong in his faith, who gives a fuck? Look at him for as a model of what you can be. Like that man never, never did anything wrong. That man didn't. Yeah, just but it, go, but it goes back to identity. So yeah, he I would argue, especially looking back, and as you know, totally subject. I don't know what he actually went through or, or thought of, um, but I would argue he more than likely knew who he was. And was more sure of himself and who he was. Yeah. And 90% of the people mocked him. And, you know, and it was one of those things. And I was this, I mean, I, I remember the conversations because I remember one of the echoes. Yeah. And he's making me take down the, the Maxim and the Playboy pictures. <laughs> I'll never forget it, dude. Like they hated him because he's, he's like, I don't want it up. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, 
who is this guy? Like, yeah. the, look at look at what all look at what these men are willing to sacrifice. Like, if they want to have a picture of a naked lady up in their locker, they should be able to do it. Yeah. But what I never realized until far after I got out was, that, you know, if if everybody had given him the grace of just like, hey, you know, we disagree, but like he he was only different in that he believed in God and yeah. he wanted to show those values. Like nothing he did or wanted was wrong. But it went against the grain. And why did it go against the grain? Because if you take down the pictures of the naked chicks and you take the alcohol away and you take all the shooting away and you take all that away, who are you? Yeah. And it, it all comes down to who are you? Why is this how you need to express yourself? Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying it, it's it's good or bad. I don't have them up at my house. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not good for a healthy marriage, I would say. <laughs> However, it, it doesn't, you know, having a Maxim magazine, like that doesn't mean that, that, you know, you, there's no, there's no hope for you. You know, you're, yeah. you're not evil because you struggle with things that man has struggled with since we were men. Absolutely. You know, so that's a normal thing. It's the faith-based perspective that allowed me to change the lens. So instead of looking things through my eyes, it's, you know, if God is real then I, and he actually does know me, then I'm here for a reason. What is that reason? You know, and, and for me, I was, he was very clear, you know, for, for my experience, I went, I, you know, he gave me very clear guidance and direction on what I was supposed to do. And the timing is significant because, you know, what most people don't know is like days before that happened. I mean, I was, I was in the closet and I had the barrel in my mouth. I mean, yeah. I've tasted the barrel so many times. I mean, I have been one hair trigger away multiple times. And something always stopped me. And I think that that's, that's God, you know, yep. but it's because I wanted, I was recognizing the reason I was in the state that I was in is because I was recognizing my flaws and my failures. And then I look, I'm looking at myself as I go back in time. I'm like, I, I have, I've done so many things that I'm not proud of. How does one then just flip around? Like I'm a believer now. It's, it doesn't work that way, you know? And so my wife and I even, you know, we had to do a lot of work. I had to come clean about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff that had to get aired out. And, you know, she had, she had to choose me for who I really was, not the guy that she thought that I was. And, you know, because of my faith, I was able to have that conversation, navigate that. And, and you know, now I'm blessed with a, a great career. And, and, you know, I do things that, I, you know, I consider to be kingdom work, you know, good beneficial things that help the world and help people. And, uh, you know, I think that green berets are special and it's not just because I, I, I earned mine. Um, yeah. I don't believe that I ever really should have earned it. You know, for me, that's why I wrote the whole book. I felt like God wanted me to, um, and it's, it's not a book about how cool I am at all, <laughs> you know? So this is, this is not the book you're going to read. Uh, this is, I'm not Jack Carr. I'm not, you know, this yeah. is, this is like, this is me. This is what happens. But this that's, is, that's what I, and I would argue that this is what we need to read. This is what we need to see, what goes behind, because when you watch friggin' The Gray Man or or the uh, Terminal List or any of these pseudo-operator TV shows or movies, you're seeing an action figure. You take the action figure out, you role play, it's cool, and you throw it in the closet. And that's not what really happens. No, that person was raised a certain way, whether good, bad, something happened that made them want to be a protector that made yep. them want to be somebody that says, 
that's not right. I want to be there. I want to be standing the line to protect people. And then that person already has, you know, a bucket that's half full of trauma and they just continue to willingly subject themselves to more trauma. That's admirable. That is a hundred percent admirable, but it's not survival. It's not survival. And right. it's not something that we, we don't have the tools. You don't give them the proper mechanism on the back end to get right. And we need to understand the whole scenario. I just highlight the cool stuff and the gadgets and the, the CQB and free and free fall. Uh, you need to be able to look at the reality that's a human v- being. And right now with video games, and movies and cartoons, like you don't get that. You know, when kid boots up, modern warfare and they see that cool camouflage and the cool kit they're just like oh man yep that's cool yeah redesign that level to when he gets home and then he's on a you know down cycle he's not training up and then you have to press axb to keep him from fucking killing himself and drinking himself to oblivion yeah or you know hitting his wife or (laughs) yeah um, or having a gun uh, a a gunfight in the middle of friggin okus island yeah Yeah. it's it's a high stress job, you know, and it's, it's, you know, like it goes back to what I was seeing before. It just, I saw people that I respected so much do things. It's like, why are you going out? Like, you know, when you go out drinking, you know that it's not good. Yeah. Don't go. But they like, they can't help it. They have to. And it's, you know, and it's, I think that it, it, you know, if you boil it all down, it comes down to that, that, who am I? And, and the identity piece, you know, and for me, I numbed it I, because who I was, was not somebody that I was proud of. I was proud of being an operator. I was proud of being a soldier. I was not proud of any other part of my life. Yeah. And that was really hard. And I think there's a lot of folks like that, um, you know, and that's, but to me, that's the beauty of one, what our army offers, but our, our country, you know, like you can come here and be a nobody. I mean, I was, and so many people maybe still am a nobody. I mean, I was nothing, just yeah. a kid that deserved jail time. That's all that I was. And, you know, I got to Iraq and it's the army showed me that I could be passionate about things that were legal, you know, that were not mm-hmm. just doing drugs and fighting and racing, all that kind of stuff. And not only that, but I realized that there's people here that don't even know anything about me, but that would die next to me doing the same thing. And, you know, that family was something I never experienced, but that's why I poured everything into the military, you know? Um, but for me, I was never, you know, some of the things that I struggle with the most in my military career are not even the things that put my life in danger. You know, yeah. um, one of the the hardest moments for me that, that I even, you know, up until a couple of years ago, when I really started to develop my faith and, and, and kind of move past this, was just past failures, you know? And I remember in Iraq, I, mean, I was 20 years old, 20 years old in Iraq. I uh, might've been 21 at the time, but you know, I was the Intel guy. I had the section, you know, I had yeah. this section South of the FOB. And when uh, an MP unit, I had never worked with them. I never talked to any of them. I just knew they were MPs. Left our gate one day. I mean, they were not even out of, you know, hardly rock throwing range of the, the tower of our FOB. And uh, an EFP goes off and, you know, and I write about it in my book and, and Iraq's, I want to rewrite Iraq because it's, 
I want to try to clarify some things in that chapter. I, I didn't want to write it. It wasn't trying to write a story about how cool I am, all my missions that I did. It was meant to try to frame like this is the mindset I was in. You're, you know, dealing with people where you get shot at one day and then the next day you, that same guy who was shooting at you will come in and he'll be snitching on somebody else. Exactly. And you're like, what? And, and dealing with these things, these are not normal things. But, um, you know, when that IED went off, it really, it just changed how everything became real to me. It changed everything about the soldiering for me. Like it was not just a matter of writing reports, the AAR from how awesome I did at NTC, like yeah. none of that crap mattered because it doesn't matter how good you do in training. Like at the end of the day, yeah. Americans are rolling down the street and people are willing and bold enough to kill them. Yeah. And it, it was my job to do that and to, to prevent that from happening, to find those people. And I think a lot of SF guys in particular that have active army experience, that's what a lot of draws them into it is this, yeah, more control. You have more. more you have skin more, in the game. Right. You you don't. I didn't. You know, as a special, I didn't even ask to leave the fob. I left the fob. Like this. This bomb went off. I left my office. I run to the corner tower, and I'm like, dude, what happened? And the guy's like, bomb went off. I didn't see anything. I run back. I I kit it up. And I ran to the front gate. I went to the front gate ten times a day, talking with sources, things like that. So it was no big thing. All the gate guards knew me. I knew yeah. them all by name. Brought gifts to them all. I mean, I knew these guys. I knew how to do the. I knew how the game was played. I didn't even ask. I was like, I'm going. I just left. I just started walking out the base and I'm walking down to where this convoy is. And I'm assuming it was uh, uh, QRF or somebody because they came up and they saw me. And one of the last vehicles stopped. And some E7's like, where are you going? What are you doing? He's like, why are you out here by yourself? <laughs> you know? I'm like, I, but I'm not even processing. And I felt like I blew them up Yeah. at that moment. Like I didn't feel anything but pure anger and like guilt. Like if everybody knew that it was my lack of reporting that allowed this, then, you know, it, it, that's how I felt. And as foolish as it sounds, looking back on it, like I owned what happened in our AO. And because I went out with our scouts, because I went out with the guys who went out on two missions a day, like I was not able to sit in my room, like many of my, my peers, and, you know, and I don't say it in a negative way. Um, the mission drives operational tempo. Maybe there was, wasn't as busy, um, but I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Like there's, you don't go to sleep. I literally know that within 20 miles of where I'm at right now, somebody's trying to kill us. Like they're planning now. How do you sleep? How do you sleep next to, uh, how do you sleep in that? So, you know, NyQuil was my thing and whiskey. And, but um, that is really when I realized like American soldiers give everything, you know, and, and people talk about it. There's songs about it. But I, that was the moment for me where it was like it all sunk in all at once. And that changed just the trajectory of my, my, who I was as a soldier. And, you know, so I, my work ethic's the only thing I ever had as a soldier. And, and, you know, and coming into the military, being able to work alongside, you know, at the time, these were the most elite guys I'd ever worked with. Yeah. I worked with Pogues. I mean, I was, I was on the Intel team. We had Wi-Fi before some folks had hot chow, <laughs> bro. That's how things work, you know? And, but here I am going out with the infantry guys and I'm, I'm wearing the same uniform four days in a row, sleeping on rooftops, you know, helping them look through spotter scopes. And I'm like, this is what it's all about. Like all the boys I know are back on the base playing call of duty yeah. because they did their eight hours in the interrogation booth. Like there is no, there's no rest. Um, you know, and 
I think that operators, Green Berets, Rangers, all of these guys, there is a level. There's people that see that, that experience that moment for them. And it either takes you out the game and it makes you realize like, this is not the life that I want. Yeah. Or you go all in and you're, you know, and if there's somebody out there that wants me, I'm going to get them first. And that's the kind of mentality that I wanted to be around. You know, I didn't want to be around people that, that had to be told to go work. I wanted to be around people. I didn't have to wake up yeah. for guard shift. Like, you know, um, and that's what this, that's what this offered. And it's a really strange dynamic for me. Uh, you know, when I wrote my book and my Testament, I, I wrote it, uh, one, I wrote it as a journal. I didn't realize, you know, I feel like I called me to publish it. I wrote it kind of just as a journal. I needed to get stuff down. I've just, yeah. I never in my life have felt such a strong compulsion as I did to sit down and just start writing. And then by the time I was done, you know, months really had gone by um, where I had been practicing my faith, going to church, all these things. And I'm starting to realize as I'm editing and my book is chock full of errors. I, it's, <laughs> it is no way a professional book, I, you know, but it, it's all homegrown. Uh, but I was doing it for me. Yeah. I was not planning on telling people, you know, and I woke up one day and uh, reading my Bible and, and just in prayer in the morning. and you know. I felt it. And I was like, you know, it's, you have to tell people your story. Um, and I even went through a phase of like, I'm going to be a best-selling author. Like people are going to dig this. They want to hear this. That was a very small window because that was quickly enraptured and enveloped by this feeling of like the community is going to ostracize me. Being a Christian, a confessing Christian and being willing to stand up and, and be unashamed of your faith is not something that I saw a lot of guys do. No. It's only on the backside. It's, it's all, always it's, on the backside. It's on the backside. And, you know, and I never understood. And I, you know, I, and I told God, you know, I told God, <laughs> I told him, I've told him a lot of things that he's probably going to deal with me about later on, but uh, he can handle it. This one, he can handle it. So, it, you know, it's one of those things. Don't ever feel bad. Don't feel guilty if you're swearing at God. Uh, you know, every, we've been there. He can handle it. He can handle our anger because he knows where it comes from. Yeah. He wants to help us, you know, work through it. Um, but I think the faith is a way to do that. The family for me, the family unit, when you read, when you, when I read scripture and I read what, what, what my faith is supposed to be about, the family unit is, is at the very center of it. Um, you know, the Bible's chock full of marriage advice yeah. and marriage, how to make a marriage work. Um, and yeah, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have, uh, the, the, the porn and everything that we have at our fingertips. But the same vices that men deal with now, they were dealing with back then. And, and the, the Bible covers a lot of that stuff. And if we're able and willing to talk about it, it will help other people. And so I wrote this book and I sent it to the Pentagon. I mean, there's, there's people uh, that I mentioned, and it's only first name, nicknames, you know, throughout the whole book. So anybody who was in that time period knows who these people are. But, you know, if you don't, you wouldn't. But there's people in that book. There's team sergeants of... Uh, especially the first ODA that I went to, I, I was, I was, I was terrified that he, when I asked him and I was like, you know, I, I'd like to mention you because to him, I, I was probably just a blip on the radar, you know, like I was just a non-diver trying to get diver qualified yeah. and that's a whole different story, <laughs> but you know, um, but I was like, here I am, I'm, I'm about to publish a book about my faith, like telling people that I think God actually talked to me, that I think God is real and all of these things, like these guys are going to laugh at me. Like I might as well hang it up. Like there's no, no more special. I don't want, you know, 
that's what I expect. Yeah. And then to have him like over the phone because he he was he was down in S three when I called him. Yeah. Uh, he was in the S three and he's off. He's like, bro, if it wasn't for our faith, he's like, none of us would have made. It. And that, you know, to him that might have been a really flippant comment and just like you know just like yeah. it was just okay it's just a normal thing. But for me, I where I was expecting to be ostracized. All of the people that I respected the most encouraged me to keep going. Um, you know, and the ops sergeant, uh, when I left, you know, he really did every, he did so many good things for me before he left. And he came to my book signings when I came to Barnes and Noble, he bought copies and, um, you know, they're probably used for target practice up in the group <laughs> headquarters right now. But, uh, he bought copy for the, the library. At, yeah. Like he, you know, he was like, you have, he said something along the lines of, you know, I, I had more courage because I was willing to talk about my faith than a lot of other people. And it just, I didn't comprehend it. It still is like, how, how are these men that I hold in such high regard? Like they are brave. I'm not brave. And I, and I, I, that's true. I, I stand by that. I do think these men are brave. Uh, I, you know, I do things, even though I'm afraid to talking about my faith, uh, I'm not afraid to do it, but I do it knowing that not everybody's going to be receptive to yeah, it. It's a, it's a very you know? vulnerable thing these days. Um, but my heart was always in the right place. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, and my hope is that that's what people saw for me. You know, I didn't write any stories down and, you know, another, I, I could talk about some team room stuff and it's not a lot, you know, but of all the things that I could have wrote about, I wrote about the bitter relationships and, you know, I wrote about that leader that yeah. we were talking about and, um, it was important for me, I think, to write that down and to show people that you can sacrifice everything and think that you're almost there. But at the end of the day, almost there is never almost there. There's always another almost there down the road. Yeah. Like you're never, especially if you're an A type operate, like if you have what it takes to be an operator, there is no sitting still. There's always advancing towards something. Yeah. And when you lose that advance, the friends that we, you know, that we have that I've talked to in confidence, especially um, that I know that have dealt with some uh, suicidal thoughts, things like that, they they don't have hope in in their life, you yeah. know, and and that's the greatest tragedy is that we're allowing people to get out of the military without I don't want to say without hope. We have programs to help people get jobs and all of these things, but it doesn't fill that god sized hole in your heart. Yeah, and it doesn't fe- it doesn't really address the reality of the situation or any root issues. Yeah, it, of, it's of why people are doing the things yeah. they're doing. The uh, the tap program um, here is is just it's it's sad to me that some individuals won't ask if is there is there something else because it's not it's not clearly defined to all the guys that there's all these organizations, nonprofits that will do the militaries and groups job for them and give them a great transition experience. The honor foundation, next Ridgeline. So many groups, so many organizations are out there that will take you in and say, it's actually okay that you don't know what you want to do mm-hmm. because you got to figure out who you are and we'll guide you through the process. The taps program here, sent me a link to a website to sit down and listen to PowerPoints and then sent me links to a retirement 
PowerPoint. And that was, that was it. That's it. Like, like, oh, hey, this person's con- going to contact you for your um, S1 processes. That's the thing that really gives me like the final, like, fuck, man. Jesus, this is, this sucks. Yeah. Well, in our society, a lot of guys are getting out, not knowing why they gave what they gave. Yeah. And and that's a huge, that's a huge thing, you, you know, for me. And, and if, like I said, in the beginning, I think everything comes, I can, I can boil most topics down to God and, and, and you know, and when I look at America and I look at what we have in this country, it's, I, I attribute it all to God's blessings. And when we ignore uh, not only that God exists, but that we exist because of him for a purpose, you are just a ship out in the ocean. I mean, every single wave that comes, you are going to ride it and you have no control over your direction. You're just trying to stay afloat, Um, you know, and having faith and becoming a believer in, in, in that Jesus is the Messiah or any of these things, you know, it does not mean that your life is going to get easier. The Bible actually shows that some of the people died for it early on. Um, however, the fulfillment is what it took for me to move past the dark phase. Yeah. What was going to scratch that itch for me? Cause I can't just work at a job where there's no like, you know, and I ended up working at Dick's sporting goods, building bicycles for a while. I got my degree and I'm like, okay, I got a degree in maritime studies. So like, you know, uh, history and earth sciences (laughs) kind of mixed in and archeology, span a little bit of mixing of everything. And like, I don't even know why I got this. degree. (laughs) Like, you know, I just wanted a degree. I just wanted to say that I graduated and it was fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm glad that I got it. Um, but there was no fulfillment in it. Uh, um, you know, thankfully my wife had a career job, you know, she was able to move forward, but that's why I joined the guard too. I, I knew that I was not going to feel, feel fulfilled. Yeah. I wasn't ready to let the army go. Now, if I could go back, I would, I would probably not do the national guard time again, uh, just because it, it was great hardship in <laughs> several different ways. Um, but it also showed me that one person you know, because when I left SF, I came, I became the human platoon sergeant. Yeah. And I talked to folks for two years who can't, they couldn't name one single training event that they felt impacted them. Within 12 hours of me being there and actually assuming my role, I had the entire company doing nine line medevacs and up down drills in the wood line. And they loved it. They loved it. It was like, this is what we, this is what we signed up for. And I was like, okay, so there's, I'm pouring myself into others. Like, I don't have a whole lot to offer. I'm not going to Afghanistan. I'm definitely not going with you guys. <laughs> if I was going to go, it's going to be with the guys. That, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm at least I'm, I'm much more comfortable going with yeah. those guys than I, you know, um, but I, it, it mostly because I didn't want to leave. If I was going to deploy, like I would have stayed where I was at. Yeah. It, it was about staying home for me. Um, but I realized that even in the national guard, you know, and it may sound, it may sound really simple, but even the national guard, every aspect of our society is craving real leadership. Yes. And, and leadership doesn't mean that you have to be a Christian and agree with what I agree with, you know, but there's leaders, the best ones lead by doing 
and they show you those qualities. Good, you know, and and then they hit that point where okay, I'm I'm now I'm at certain level, and I'm not I don't have the capacity to do anymore. I'm here to tell you, but I have this this you know history of doing that can cause soldier like you you want to follow somebody like that. Um, our society is no different. Uh, you know, we have high schoolers and college kids that are leaving. They don't even know gender they are anymore. They don't know what they're what they think about themselves, let alone what they should be thinking about themselves, what other people think about. Yeah. There's so much confusion. And they're just lost. And just in, in, in everything, you know, and, and not to single any one group out or anything. It's just, we are lost. And what we need is we need people to be vulnerable. And like, you know, I'm yeah. a human being. I'm a, I'm a human. I'm not perfect, but I am willing to stand up. And, I, you know, I will, I will address this because I feel convicted about it. Um, to me, that's kind of what operators do. And, and, that God-sized hole, you know, whether people want to call it God or not, um, love covers a multitude of sins. Yep. So when you have an SF guy that gets out uh, and does something, you know, like save our allies, for example, and I don't know if any of these gentlemen are yep. Christian or not, but you put together something like that. I don't, you don't need to be a Christian for me to be able to show that you love people enough to sacrifice a whole lot more than people that are Christians sitting in a church right now that aren't willing to give up a $10 bill, let alone 10% of their paycheck. Yeah. You know, you're willing to do it. You're willing to do what no one else is willing to do. When our government failed, it was operators yep. and those in close association with them that took it upon themselves to get people out the best way that they could. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a lot of argument and I get it, you know, the security aspect and there's a lot of things that we could talk about there. But at the end of the day, we spent a long time in Afghanistan asking people to have our backs, to have our backs. Yeah. And, you know, we were there long enough, uh, you know, and I've had this talk with several people. It, it's we were there long enough where the kids who saw us kill their fathers and arrest their fathers grew up to be trained and were old enough to fight us. And you don't, you don't win against that. You know, there's, you could kill it, but that's not a win. All you're doing is continuing this cycle of, you know, we can enforce our will upon you. That's what the United States army, we can enforce our will and impose our will on anybody. There's no one that can tell us not to, but that's why we need to have leadership in the military that has a conscience and that is grounded. If it's not, you know, you don't have to be a professing Christian to be a good leader in the military, but I would argue that the values that make you a good leader are Christian values yeah. in some form or fashion. And it's because those values are being adhered to and because you're modeling them and you're showing people we need to adhere to these, that you have the greatest military in the world. I mean, we, we're, we're uniquely blessed. We're uniquely strong uh, in ways that no one else is. And uh, to me, that's a God thing. But that goes away without good leadership, you know? So I write this book and I'm like, why, why did you have me write this book? This is why. And I realized quickly, this is not going to be a bestseller. Uh, you never know, you know, but if it is, you know, all, to God goes the glory. God, if it ever happens, a hundred percent of proceeds will go to the Green Beret Foundation. I promise you I'm on air saying, so, um, it, it's, it's, I didn't do it. Watch. For, this gets picked up for Netflix, you know? Yeah. You know, but I, I didn't. I didn't do it for, for glory. I didn't do it because I wanted to be cool. I, I just did it 
because I felt like God wanted me to. God, you know, and the Bible says that God, he wants our obedience more than our sacrifice. And he can do more with somebody who's willing to do stuff for him and look to him for guidance than he can with somebody who's willing to pay his way into everything that he thinks is godly. Yeah. And what I've come to find, not only did I not get ostracized by everybody in the community, I'm sure there are folks that would not want me on their team again, or, you know, maybe. Um, but I have talked to, I mean, since that book published, and I think it was two, early 2019, probably 50 to 100 different soldiers, whether they were going to basic training, thinking about basic training, just out of basic training, or thinking about the Q course while in active army. And I have literally FaceTimed them, phone call, like we've talked, we've prayed on the phone, we've talked about things. And like, they've read my book, like, dude, how are you sitting here telling us that we should join the army when all that happened to you? Like, what if we just end up in a crappy unit with a crappy leader? Like, well, then you'll get out of the military and you'll have a perspective on life that no one else can give you. Like, so that same person, and this is the whole crux. And this is what I tell them. Like, if you read this and I, and I hope that it doesn't come across that I hate this individual anymore. Cause I don't at all. I have the utmost respect. Yeah, no. yeah uh, it's, it's, you know, being on this side and understanding what the job does to people and the trauma, like there's no doubt in my mind that this person has a good heart is a good human being. And I don't know, I don't know what the backstory is. I don't know, but I'd like to, because I feel that just like you and I have that connection. I truly feel that if we sat down and were able to share our wounds and like be able yeah. to express, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And, and I look to him now and, and we talk again, oh, uh, you know, he jet sets around the world, mm-hmm. but I know for a, you know, at the bottom of my heart, I know for a fact that he's not a bad person. No, he's a good man. He's a good man. He is. And there's something more to his story that connects all of us together. Well, I know there is. And I'm impressed. Um, once I moved past the hatred part for him, and, you know, it's that's when I realized how much I actually grew under him. Um, yep. You know, and a lot of the things that went on in the team, I mean, it just, at the time, it was like survival, you know? It, it, it you just did what you had to do. So I mean, I had conversations with him that I did not want to have. I'm like, I'm an E6. I should not be sitting in here having moral conversations with my senior enlisted team sergeant, but I'm going to because you have crossed bounds and you're saying things that are having ramifications that you either don't know or you do know and are ignoring, which is yeah. even worse. Like, so I have to take off the I didn't know off the table because I needed to know. What are you going to do when you do know this is what's going on? You know, and we learned a lot uh, yeah. throughout, throughout all that. And I, I disagree with a lot of the things that he did. However, I believe truly like he is, like you said, he rose to the ranks. He is just incredibly decorated. And, if, if, and he's capable yeah. of doing amazing things. And if he decided to apply his skills and his mind yep. to something that would better our country, which I'm sure he's doing. And it's yep. probably something you can't talk about on here, but you know, but our country is better for it yep. um, because of him. But I also, I worry about him and the guys like him that gave their entire lives to this, where yep. it became their identity because there's more to who you are and it is your identity while you're in, but then you get out and you realize that, like you said, uh, 
you know, we just cycle out. Somebody else is on the same team I was on, filling the same slot, same. not giving one, cr- probably talking as much trash about my <laughs> my organizational methods as I did the guys before us. And um, it's 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 so fucking funny because when you're in that team, when you're in that team room, you think I will never be forgotten. We are this team, this moment. This will always be the seven one one four. This will always be 7135. But the proof is right there in front of you in those legacy photos. Couple of years. It's not going (laughs) to be you. Yeah, exactly. You are only there for a very small moment in time. Understand that. There's power in knowing that. Yes. There is a power in knowing that, hey, I only got four quarters in this. I'm going to give it everything I've got and I'm going to leave when it's time to leave. Right. You're a gladiator in the arena and it's, yeah. you know, like we said, I think it does have, you do have to, this become, you adopt this as who you are, uh, being an operator. And I mean, just as a soldier at a basic level, I mean, you don't even have to be special forces. Um, look at all those high speed infantry guys and all the, oh, you know, yeah. just, in, and there's so many of them. There's so many of them. They would, they would do, I mean, if they had the, if they had the leash taken off, that could yeah. accomplish amazing things. Um, the downside is that folks, you know, like me, I wanted to leash off all the time, but I also did things that got me in trouble, you know, uh, some really, really dumb <laughs> stuff, you know, and it's because I, because I felt that I knew better at the time than my leadership, that I did things that I would have argued were, you know, they were for the mission, would help the mission yeah. across, but you know, you don't bring a civilian or a detainee's car onto your fob and drive it around. <laughs> you do not do that. And you definitely don't let it break down in front of a battalion, sar- a battalion headquarters. <laughs> you know, there's just things that happen in Iraq. I'm like, how did this even, how did I get the car on the fob in the first place? It's my car now. <laughs> you want to know how? It's, it's the relationships. Yeah. And it sounds as crazy as it sounds. I was a good human What you're doing now is building relationships. My relationship at a tactical level with the people that guarded us and guarded our four walls were willing to open the gates to let me go through them yeah. and to let something else come through. Now they searched it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. all protocols, it was searched. I mean, I didn't, I, you know, but there was a reason I was doing this. And even though I was wrong in doing it, the reason was justified. Yeah. Um, in my mind, uh, you know, the legal, I don't know. Uh, you know, I definitely, I'm glad that I didn't get in bigger trouble for it. Um, but I think they saw, because they saw my heart. I was, yeah. I was trying to save lives. You know, I was going above and beyond. If I thought of it, if I thought that it would help us win or help us be a successful, we did it. Yeah. And I didn't ask. I, okay, you're going to yell at me if I ask. You're going to say no, but I'll just do it. And I'll come back on the flip side with the results. Like, hey, guess how I got this? <laughs> like, you're going to love this story. You know? Um, I pimped his ride. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, operators, um, soldiers, that, that need to, to do more with your life. That's a God thing that that not being satisfied with being comfortable. um, That's a God thing. Uh, Nobody in the Bible was comfortable. Jeez. I mean, none of, you know, uh, they were all doing things that brought them out of their comfort zone. And that's what operators do. I mean, the Q course, I mean, if you could boil it down to what it is, it is, you know, your tech between your technical training and tactical training. But I mean, it's, it's boiling it down to willpower. It's, 99%. That's the only reason I mean, if it was anything to do with physicality 
or mental a bit or, or mental abilities, I would not have made it. Um, it's pure willpower, pure willpower, because I was too stupid and stubborn to quit. It's like, look, I'm just not going home. I mean, the battalion I came from, you know, before I left, my sergeant major and battalion commander chewed me out, yeah. pulled me in the office, told me I would never get promoted. I would deploy. They would make sure I never left. They, he guaranteed, I mean, he, he left it in no uncertain terms. When I came back from selection, unselected, my army career was basically done. And I was like, dude, I'm just trying to, just trying to go do more. Yeah. Like, why? You know, but then get to selection and you're like, sprained both ankles. Just terrible sprains yeah. too. And I'm a baby, man. I'm like, God, my feet are hurt so bad. My ankles, I can barely walk. I'm using my M16 as a crutch <laughs> to the woods. Um, but I saw his face. I can't, if I quit, I have to go back. And one way or the other, he is going to look me in the face. He's going to get me to say it. And I can't do it. Like I will literally saw my foot off and, yeah. and do this with one foot before I'll go back a quitter. You can send me home, but I will not go home. Um, and those are the type of people that are doing this, you know? So the faith message is not one that, that reaches a lot of these guys, especially if they don't come from a faith background. Um, and the lifestyle, the tempo does that naturally, even people from a faith background. I mean, the alcohol happens. I, I, I've not met an operator that doesn't drink. Yeah. Um, I, I've met some that have not done it as much as others. Um, but there's just certain things and, and it's, it's just par for the course because these guys are asked to do things that other people play in video games. And, and it's, you know, to your point, it's super easy to turn on a video game. Like this is super sexy. I like this. Yeah. Uh, but when you're having to rip a uniform off somebody that, you know, and you're applying a tourniquet, or even if you don't know them, but you're looking at, you know, uh, some Iraqi policeman's face on the side of the road after the checkpoint got leveled, like, you know, yeah. that stuff stays with you. And, and it's like, you know, and I like video games, Call of Duty, just as much as the next guy. But I know what it's like. I've talked to the guys like you have that they don't talk about that. They'll go their whole careers and they will use that and they will numb that to better themselves and to continue to push past that threshold. But at the end of the day, all of these points in our lives that, that cause us those moments of regret or guilt or sadness you know, they come back. Yeah. And, and with, with, with operators, I think that's why substance abuse is as bad as it is. And it's, it's because numbing it is easier than, and, than dealing with 100%. it. hundred percent. It's so easy. It's so easy. And, and it's, and it's all, it's almost yeah. propagated. It's, you know, like you said, it's, I have a beer in the team room. And again, yeah. I'm not against having a beer in the team room. It's not that that is, doesn't make you, you know, you're, yeah, you're not going to hell. You're not, yeah, you're not going <laughs> to hell because you had a beer in the team room. You're not a bad husband or father because you yep. stay late and had a beer in the team. Um, if the beer in the team room is more important than your kids' recitals, if the beer yeah. in the team yep. room is more important than your date night, which you only have once every four months with your wife, you're on rocky ground, you know. And not all women are willing to stay on rocky ground and wait. And you know, and for me, that's that's why Columbia. It really was. I mean, we've had the divorce talk so many times, um, but for some reason. Yeah. This was the one. And I, I knew it. I was always the one leaving before. And I was like, if she gets to the point where I'm not needed in her life, this is not like, no. it's not me. This isn't, you know, I'm an emotional wreck. You know, I'm all over the place. This is, she's not me. She will have done this cool, calm, and collected. Arrived at a place she's justified to be at. To say things that she's justified to say and accuse me of things that she's justified. Yep. 
And all I can do is sit here and be like, what? That's me. That's who I am. And that broke, you know, that broke me uh, for a while. And that, that really, you know, the, the suicidal stuff, it goes back to it, and, you know, and, and as much as I hate talking about it, I feel like it, it's important and it's important with the faith message because um, being a man of faith, you know, I believe, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that there are things in this world that we cannot see. Um, you know, and, and I would argue that ghosts, look how many ghost shows there are, right? Our society chases the supernatural. I think that humans are hardwired for that God touch, yeah, which is it's why the unknown, that constant factor of like, it ends. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> what's and, after and what happens, <laughs> what happens next? And, you know, we do have a purpose. And, you know, when I read, when I read the Bible, I, I see that, you know, I see soldiers are held in, in, in high regard, you know, God, you know, his armies, you know, wh- whether you're, you know, think the new test or the old Testament is, is uh, real or not. Um, the Jewish people, they definitely believe that it's real. Um, they believe it's a historical book. Uh, and, and most Christians, you mm-hmm. know, should believe that as well. And when you read about what those armies did and the things that they did, and you see that God is not a, he is not anti soldier. You know, he would, of course he, he would want people to do the right thing on their own volition, but men are going to do evil things because that's what men do. And when an evil man does something, it takes a good man to stand up and, and represent God in, in, you know, whether he's doing it for God, whether he's doing it because he's for his family, whether he's doing it for country or just because I'm afraid of that evil going to show up on my doorstep. So I need to confront it now. You know, those are godly traits. Um, and that's what our, our soldiers, our operators, they, they embody those things. You know, I see, I see soldiers as just very unique and close, closer to God. Um, not all, but many of the soldiers, especially the ones that are doing the most dangerous things, the hardest things, they are closer to God than many of us are. Um, just in the nature of their work, they deal with life and death. I mean, they, they deal death (laughs) to people that that I would argue need it most of the time. Um, But sometimes, you know, uh, that judgment is justified and, and that's what death is. Death is a death is judgment. You know, the Bible says that death, death is the result of sin, the sin nature, you know, and all are appointed to die in the body at least once. And, you know, what happens afterwards? And we all wonder those things, but to me, you know, and it goes back to this, this bravery of, of our operators, they are willing some of these guys who I know were not Christian. I mean, but they would literally run out into bullets yeah. fearlessly. You know, and I believe, I believe, you know, when the scripture says things like there's no greater love than a man who will lay down his life for his friend, like that, that is the epitome of what that is, you know? So this person could be um, drinking all the time. You could be cheating on your wife. There is so much love in these operators that they are not functioning. Some of many of them, maybe not functioning healthily Mm -hmm. in several swim lanes that they should be, but in the one swim lane that has cemented who they are, that, that everything's for the guy on my left and my right. Like I could care less who the commander. It's about who's in the foxhole, you know, who's, who's on your team. What are, you know, they're Michael Phelps in that lane, right? They are Michael Phelps in that lane. And you know, I, I'm my, my hope was that my book and and 
everybody that I encounter, I, I, I try to push the faith envelope a little bit, yeah. you know, and I don't want to, I don't force my faith on anybody, but I want people to think about it because I, I think yeah. that question it, start asking the once, questions. Once the, and if you ask, if you, the Bible says, if you seek God, you will find him. And you have to seek him for the right reasons, though. If you're seeking him just because you want to go to heaven, you don't want to go to hell, but you're not willing to stop, you know, got, getting hammered, cheating on your wife. You know, there's, there's a conflict here. Why do you want to talk to God? But I do believe that even in that instance, people that pursue the Lord, that pursue forgiveness, that pursue grace, because in the end of the day, it was grace that took my desire to not want to be here anymore away. When you realize that God loves you so much, he loved King David so much that even when King David impregnated his, you know, one of his commander's wives sent, then sent by order, this guy out to the battlefield to die so he could marry his wife. God still used him to build up and to build the temple or to raise a son, Solomon, to build the temple. You know, like it's filled with imperfect people. A prostitute in the Old Testament was one of the reasons that that uh, some of the Israelites were able to survive. It was a prostitute that God used in her lifestyle, but she saw at the right time, like this is a God thing, and I need to do something here. I mean, I just when I read the Bible, and maybe it's the background that I that that we come from, but when I read it, that's what I see. Like I see guys, and I can just see faces flashing yeah. through my head of of guys that maybe we're not Christian, but I can think about the things that conversations we had, things they've done, things that they did before I knew them or after that, you know, the story and it's, they're incredible human beings and, and they all deserve to know that there's forgiveness. And, and sometimes that's, that's hardest when to forgive ourselves, you know, and I believe that God, God forgives if you ask him uh, with a, with a, a clean heart, you know, and, and a, a, a righteous intent behind it. Um, he forgives you of your sins, but I did not forgive myself for a very long time. And that's where I think a lot of the, the conversations I've had with folks, that's mm-hmm. where I think a lot of it leads is people, even after they leave the military, they, even if they know that they have, that, that there's more to life, they're not willing to take that leap of faith and leave this behind. Yeah. And it's, and I, and I did, I mean, I spent years where I, I did not feel like a green beret. I felt like I was just a church guy, you know, like it's, you know, <laughs> I'm just, that's, that's who I used to be. But then yeah. fast forward a couple of years, like this book came out and all of a sudden, you know, now I'm talking to you and I, I go through my Rolodex and I'm like, I have pastors and I have special forces operators in my book. Yeah. I mean, how many people in the country can say that, you know, and God just, he, he's blessed me and, and you know, my life, I've not done anything, you know, miraculous. There's no medal of honor stories in, in my military service, nothing like that. But I have worked with people that have done those things. Mm-hmm. And so have you. And to me, that's the whole, that's where my story came from is, you know, a lot of people come from a really broken place and the army can give you a way to, to kind of move forward, but the army doesn't fix that broken. No, it doesn't. It can make it a lot worse if you don't have the right mentality or desire to fix it. And, uh, you know, I guess I wrote this just hoping that, you know, for the folks that did read it, that they would be left encouraged, um, not only uh, for their own personal faith and, and, and stuff like that edification, but just to join the army. It's the army was both the very best thing that's ever happened to me. And then I could say, oh, maybe one of the worst things that's happened to me. Um, <laughs> and that's okay because we can have, you can have, right. You can have 
and and that's that's the whole thing about growing up and maturing and realizing that i'm not and and to any green beret or operator out there listening to this like you're not just this the the warrior mentality encompasses so many other things and that's what you have to discover and i think reading this book was absolutely a window into a good friend that I served with and into my own, my own journey and being able to read that and understand like, okay, Kirby did this. He's already went through it. I can do it too. So can everybody else. Yeah. Like, I know you still don't believe it, but I see you as one of the first few individuals that did take the big, bold, daring leap into the unknown when it was the right time for them. And when it's your time, you have to, you're committed. You're the number one man. Yeah. You have to go into the unknown. And that's, if I'm going to live by that in training and continue to do that in training, I have to be able to look into that and see when my friends and my brothers do it in life mm-hmm. and honor that and respect that. Because at the end of the day, dude, you are an amazing, um, shining example of what it takes to go into the unknown. Hey, this, I love doing this, but you know what? This is my family. This is what matters. I am doing this. Come hell or high water, I'm going to succeed, and this is what matters. So, yeah, I I do think of you as somebody that did something truly uh, amazing and are an example for all of us. Because looking back at young Denny now, and looking at young Kirby when he made that decision, dude, that's the bravest fucking thing I've ever seen. It's terrifying. And you did it like a fucking G. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> the name of the book is a uh, single set of uh, boot prints, a uh, story of a God made green beret. Uh, go out there, get it. Amazon. Uh, again, I get everything on a books right now. Cause it's friggin'. Dude, I, I load up my car. I mean, you see my office. It's like I load up my car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I'll just, uh, if you don't mind, if anybody decides to get it, um, if you know of somebody that is struggling, uh, whether it's just with alcohol, like my story is not necessarily going to be the thing that draws somebody to know who the Lord is. Uh, the idea, though, is that, you know, I, I've gone through a quite a bit and, you know, and we all have. And there is going to be some vein of similarity if yeah. you've in, in, endured some type of hardship in this book. And I try to lay it out and say, God can use those things. And at the end of every chapter, there's a retrospective, which I wrote years, you know, like a year and a half later, where I'm like, I, I went back and I looked at these pieces of my life. But I was that's like, that's so cool about but it. But I'm, I was, but I realized I was not leaving the positive perspective. I had written what happened, but I did not complete transition into why was that important yep. you know and uh for me it goes down to you know it, again it comes down to god it's these leaders both the ones that i really liked and the ones that i really didn't like they all taught me something um and i believe that god you know the bible says that that god raises up leaders you know if he's in charge of you it's because god allowed it yeah whether it's a good person or a bad person which means that there's a reason behind it and whether it's, if it's a terrible leader, you might be learning. This is what I'm never going to do when I'm in charge. Exactly. And if that's the only lesson that you get, if you manage to stay in long enough to be in charge and you actually stick to that lesson, 
you will have soldiers that will give their entire careers to that institution because you showed them that it was worth it. And I didn't want to leave this book writing about people in negative ways. So I went back and I tried to talk about these relationships um, from the perspective of this is me looking kind of on my own life subjectively and yeah. how God kind of could intervene here and, you know, how this was out of my control, but it makes sense and adds up to where the overall goal and end journey was. But I say that to say it, I'm not trying to make money on these. I have probably like a hundred copies left at home. I've been mailing them to people free basically since I, it published. Um, you know, so I, I, I've lost money <laughs> significantly, but it's worth every penny because I've, like I said, I've talked to 50, 60, 70 people that are either in about to join yep. or are in the Q course now that have read my book that are all men of faith that wanted to know if they should take that leap of faith and then if it's worth it. And it's, you know, even if you get there, and that's what I try to tell, even if you get there and it's the worst experience of your life, you got there, you got the t-shirt, you got like one, yep. nobody can take that from you. And two, you learn from it. Do you have your own website where we can uh, you buy it, or is it not? It's just Amazon right now. Got it's it. like right now, it's through Christian Faith Publishing, who I'm I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, so I've, once this contract is done with them, I'm probably just going to do an Amazon only, and because then I can edit it real easy. Yeah, there's so many things in there that I want to fix. Um, but I like the authenticity, uh, and that's a re and and I can understand because you're the creator of it. But I want you to say, I want you to know that. It takes nothing away from the experience, honestly. Um, it, it, I know it hits different because I know you, but man, it was an absolute pleasure to read this book and understand the man, the person that I served with, and then see the outcome sitting in front of me today and being able to look back on that younger Green Beret and see the strength and courage that it took for him to choose his family and now see it as the, the shining example for other green berets. Like Kirby can do it. So can you Yeah, like that's, and that's ultimately it. it it's the, the highest praise I can give you is being able to look back and see, Holy shit. Like, well, that means a lot. Very I mean, proud of you. It means a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, everything is, is to the glory of God. Uh, if anything good comes from it, it's, it's not, not anything I did. It's all him. Um, but I, you know, just to, to finish that thought that I had, I, I said that to say that if you know somebody, please reach out to Denny. All I need is an address. I'll send a book. I, yeah. you know, I, I can sign it. I don't care who it is. I don't care what their state is. What you know, I, it doesn't matter. Every everybody deserves forgiveness, and forgiveness can be the thing that fixes a lot of the things that are happening um, in our families and our society. Uh, when the family unit crumbles, society crumbles, you yes. know, and, and we have America has the most amazing leaders in the world. And these men can lead other men into battle and do magnificent things, but many of them are struggling to lead their families. And, you know, so I would just, if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, if you haven't tuned me out already, if, <laughs> you know, if the faith thing hasn't turned you off, um, you know, I would just challenge, I would challenge you to pray. Talk to God. You know, uh, I grew up Catholic. The Hail Marys. And all, I, you know, that's not how I pray now. I talk to him like you and I talk. Yeah. Um, and God can handle anger. The number of times I've gone down the highway and and screamed at him, and you know, he can handle it. 
Um, but we have men that can change this country around. Uh, and to do that, it starts with the family unit, the children of our operators. If they can grow up in a functioning household to see dad home enough to be loving and to be a good father, those children are the solution to all of our problems in the future. Because okay. they've seen, they're, not only are they they're born of, they're, they're, they're the seed of operators, some of America's greatest, but then they've also seen the compassion and the love that it takes to be a husband, to be a father. Because yes, you can shoot people in the face. I can train a monkey to do that. But can you go home afterwards yeah. and have a conversation with your kid and not be thinking about something else? Most of us can't. Yeah. And that's, I was not able to, you know, and, it, and for me, that's where the struggle came in. And when I got out, it was, it was for the family, but it was all a gamble. I knew that everything was on the rocks. I, I gambled everything. And for me, it worked out. Um, yeah. My wife was willing to stay in the fight, but that I totally submitted. I totally submitted. It's like, I have to be, like, like I said, I, I'm, she needs to know who I really am, not who I, I tell her that I am and who she sees. And it worked for me, you know, so I would challenge people. One, forgive yourself. What happened in the past is already over. Yeah. You can't go back and change it. Um, even if those actions cost you your marriage, you're not a bad person. You know, um, a lot of us make mistakes. Those mistakes can make or break us. And while we're in, sometimes it's hard for those things to break us. When we get home and we're sitting on the couch by ourselves with no TV and we start thinking about those things that broke us, you know, I want to, I just want to encourage people, pray, reach out to God. You know, I think that the Bible is, is the word of God. So that's where I go to for my scripture reading, um, you know, but. Praying to God helps a lot. Um, and if you pray to him with an expected end, like I believe in you and I believe that you really do have a, a purpose for my life. He orders your steps and then he will show you what you should be doing. Yeah. You know, and, and I've seen that with, with so many people and I just, I see what our operators do. The ones that are successful will be shoes. I mean, I own every pair <laughs> For real, my wife got me the last two pairs. So I, I've got, I've got, I think it's the mod ones, I, but in, yeah. in every color that they come in. Um, I mean, that was just some guy with a great idea, but like he started something. Imagine if, on top of the economic and business aspect, if we applied that initiative and that energy towards our families and our communities, a lot of the problems that we're seeing eventually will phase out, um, you know, because it's poor leadership is why we're in yeah. this place that we're in. I mean, it all, Republican, Democrat, both. Both, it's, both it's suck. poor, yeah. poor leadership. Yeah. A leader is not somebody who stands up, spends all of your money and tells you what you should do. It's somebody who sacrifices. George Washington, all he wrote about in his letters was how he wanted to go home. I mean, he was worried about exactly how many bricks were in his chimney and, and which, which plants he was going to cross-pollinate while he was in the White House. All he wanted was to go home, but he didn't. He stayed where he knew his country needed him. Our operators have done the same thing. They, they are where their country has needed them. But war is not meant to be a constant. Man is not meant to take life. We have, and sometimes it is necessary, but it's, it's never, it's not normal. Yeah. You know, and you don't have to be a Christian 
to know that stealing is wrong. You don't have to know. Yeah. You don't have to be a Christian to know that walking up to somebody that you don't know and killing them is wrong. Um, it, it just goes against who you are. And yes, people are asked to do those things. And those are the people that our country owe the deepest gratitude to because the, the peace and quiet that these men give up in their mind, most people can't comprehend. Because like you said, yeah. it's not, this is not Jack Ryan. Yeah. You know, this is, this is not Amazon prime where you watch an hour. This is awesome. And you know, and I'm, everything gets solved at the end of 45 exactly. minutes. <laughs> it's, it doesn't work that way, you know? Um, and, and it's just, it's not realistic, but yeah. the, the realistic thing is, is that we do have the most amazing soldiers and leaders. I think that the army and that the country has, I think are in yeah. our regiment, um, arguably at least. And, uh, there's hope for even the worst of us. Yeah. As long as you're breathing, there's still there's hope. hope. There's still a chance. You, what you went through can be a yeah. story. If That's nothing success. else, it can be a story that will help someone else yep. get through it. And that's why I respect what you're doing. Um, because the, the, the suicide rate is something that has just, it's been on my heart for a long time. And it's because I've circled the drain myself, Yeah, you know, and when I hear somebody, uh, when I hear somebody that actually has the courage to stand to tell me, like, "Look, man, I'm, I don't have hope in life." Like, one of the things that has helped me have conversations like that is the fact that I can tell them what the steel tastes like. Yeah, like you've been there, and it changes the conversation, you know. And it's, well, how did you, how did you end up out of the dark place? Well, one, you have to. You just got to get right with God. You have to look for the only one that can actually solve our problems. Yep. And that's, you know, and be that's open God. and ready to heal. That's the biggest thing. And healing looks yeah different for everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Key. Key. Yeah. But you have to want it. And that's the thing that breaks my heart when I talk to uh, wives or family members. And, you know, we do our peer to peer support group, which we built in the mission is we're we're bridging that gap. We're getting you around other people that are healthy now, other people that have gone to therapy, other people that are doing vast amount of different work to stay healthy and get better. So you can get away from the negative echo chamber that you might have, which you're just your group of guys yeah. are all suffering. But unless you're ready to do the work and start healing, I can't convince you. It's not about convincing. It's not about forcing you. It's showing you, giving you an actual weekly night where you can see people that are healed that are recovering and what journey that, that what that journey looks like that's right because that's that was at my hope. worst i didn't i i didn't want to tell the truth it's only when i was ready and i was willing to divulge and give up this idea that i could fix it myself well and that's when i most of us when you're in that place you know I don't want people to talk to me either. Like, not only do I not want to talk to you, yeah. but leave me the hell alone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start, I'm going to circle my drain and you're not going <laughs> to stop me, you know? And, and it's, it's a dangerous yeah. mentality, but it is, I mean, it is the reality. And that's a pride thing um, within all of us. That ego, that uh, look at me, look, there's no way this giant pillar could ever fall apart. Like, no, you're human. That's right. You're imperfect and perfect in every way. And, you, and you're not meant to carry all of this. You're That's not right. meant to shoulder all this trauma. And there's there's that moment of understanding that like 
okay, there's something bigger at play. If I haven't done it or if I'm, if I'm willing to put the gun down or if I'm willing to not overdose right now, something is speaking to me. There's a chance there's a, there's somebody's willing this. Yeah. But, uh, Kirby, I can't thank you enough for being with me today talking about this. Um, it's we we survived and we thrived in the team room and when we leave we tell ourselves that we don't have a community but we do we just have to reach out and i gotta tell you when we finally connected man that felt that was a good moment to my soul oh, man. me too same like, here same being here. able to like have that moment of understanding uh and the clarity of being able to see like okay now I understand him. I, I see the whys and, and the hardships and I see it and being able to have this friendship back, brother. Thank you. Um, it's not wasted on me. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Um, Cause I, I see this as only the first book. <laughs> uh, well, I, I've got another, it's a, it's a biblical fiction written, but it's, I, I got, it's so much work needs to be done on it. It's, it's hey. in a infancy. It's been in infancy stages for like two years now. Um, but it's, it's fun. It's, you know, John Rambo meets uh, the Bible, I guess. So oh, yeah. it's, I it's, can't, I'm already there. I can't wait. It, it, it's, if nothing else, it's like, it'll be exciting, I think. But it all takes place locally here, too. So it's, oh, I, dro- I drove around to Pensacola, and so I'm talking about certain things. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. But, you know, I, I enjoy talking uh, um, about my faith now, uh, especially because it's uh, any opportunity to share, yeah. you know, what makes me better is important so i just want to thank you for letting yeah, me on absolutely man and i love you like a brother and I, I truly appreciate the opportunity to come on and um if there's ever anything i can do for you um, oh yeah anybody who's listening i mean i'm a nobody but i will pray for you <laughs> on the phone. i mean I, I you call me if you want prayer yeah. i mean get any get get any your number and i will you know I'll, reach out to us on uh, yeah, our instagram or on the website and uh we'll get you in touch um it's absolute honor. Oh, before I want to give a shout out to uh triple nickel, um, clothing, you go there, get their Delane hat or get their cash collection shirt, American hero that we should all, uh, be celebrating not just during the season of gratitude, but all the time. That's right. Um, so please go to triple nickel.com and use our code security podcast at checkout 10% off. And, uh, I'm not drinking coffee right now. It's actually tea. Uh, Jocko's very own, but this morning I started off my day with some uh, red, white, and badass brew coffee. You go to them, and uh, you're not going to get this cup. This is my cup. <laughs> you can get the coffee, and then use uh, Security Halt uh, ten for ten percent off your order. Until next time, take care. 